Welcome to Harvest Time. Looking forward to getting to know a few very nice guests today. We introduce them in just a minute. Actually, you know, the last few weeks we've been talking about evangelism and getting our hearts prepared for our summit meetings, and uh, these folks happen to be in that line of ministry. We'll talk about that in just a second. But before I do, I want to thank many of you that helped us this week with our summit meetings. By the time this is aired, those meetings will have been over. As we've said before, our summit meetings, normally we have five days of meetings. This year, we had one day of meetings on Sunday and then four days of activities, all of them designed around giving the gospel. I'm so thankful for many that responded and opened their heart to the truth. You know, we've got good news in a very bad world, and I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And on that note, going into the weekend, this coming Sunday is our anniversary Sunday. Harvest has been doing this now for 41 years, and we have a chance to stop and pause and celebrate and a call to celebrate. And the book of Psalms is a great book to get to when we talk about pausing and being grateful and thankful for God's work. You know, it's interesting how often it is that God and how he treated his children was always with faithfulness and how often God's children treated God in an unfaithful way. And I pray that our church would stay to being faithful to his word. And that'll be celebrating Sunday morning after all the ABFs and Sunday school and children's ministries and nursery, all of that at 9.30, 10.30, our worship service, special music. And I would encourage you to come up for no other reason. We've got about a 10-minute video and a look back on the history and giving God glory for what he's done over the years here in Guam. I think you'll enjoy it, be motivational. And then this Sunday night as well, we have no family Bible hour, but actually it starts at 3.30 at uh, Pedro Santos Park down in PD. We're able to rent that park out. Uh, that particular village has done a great job at that little piece of property along the beach line. And we'll have an opportunity to have a great meal together what we call a potluck in the States. It happens to be the same here. And we'll have a, a, a what we call a baptismal service. We've probably got about a dozen people uh, that need to be baptized scripturally. We'll uh, have a time together with that. And then um, a replay of the cornhole tournament with all the couples at it. And uh, I want to encourage you to be there. Plus, I think a futsal tournament as well. It'd be a great time as a church body. Make sure and be there at 330 on Sunday. Of course, this is a three-day weekend, so give you a chance to recover and enjoy Monday, and next week is just as loaded with lots of activities, including our gathering on Wednesday night, marriage class, parenting class, Korean Bible study, lots of great events, and then a men's Bible study every day. We've said much about those and a ladies' Bible study on Thursday. Thank you for participating. Bring a friend. We don't want you to miss it. And then this Saturday as well, we do have our, it seems to be like a monthly men's prayer breakfast now and a car wash for the college. So take it all in. I know Chris will say more about it at the end of the broadcast. Thanks for being with us today. Well, we do have a privilege to have Aaron Coffey and his wife, Stephanie. First of all, both of you, welcome to the mics here at KHMG. Thanks. We're glad you all are here. Uh, of course, this is a very short stay for you all. This is the third time you've been here. I have a long bio. I have all the goods on you guys. But, you know, it's always nice to hear it straight out of the mouth. And so let me start with you, Aaron. First of all, this is the third time you've been here. Uh, um, different venues, it seems to me, but this time speaking for our summit meeting as well as our spirit week. 
Um, give me, in a nutshell, and I want to get to your wife and get to the real important things like your children, mm-hmm. uh, but you met Stephanie what year and how did you end up meeting? Let's start there. Yeah, well, we were um, we uh, ended up traveling with evangelist Steve Pettit together, and uh, we were actually at college at the same place in South Carolina, but never never met each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I started traveling with Steve Pettit, and then the second year I was on his team, um, she comes on as a single. Of course, he says no dating, so um, but thankfully he didn't say no marriage, so yeah. we made it. <laughs> I'm glad we made it. No, we uh, after a year we we uh, we started um, in a relationship, and then we got married. Yeah. And How old were you at that time? I was 31. Yeah, because it seemed to me you were a little bit older when that happened. Yeah. Now your bride here is probably 21, but I, I uh, <laughs> no, not close. <laughs> Stephanie, we're glad you're here also. So over these last, uh, then, has that been 14 years? Uh, Aaron, how long have you all been married? Well, 11. 11 years, and you have four, four children. Kids. So give me the names and dates on these here, okay, at least Ella, ages. Okay, Ella just turned nine. Asher just had a birthday yesterday. He turned seven. And we have Liam, who's five, and Joby is two. Now, where did the name Joby come from? His actual name is Job and from the Bible, and we just call him Joby for short. Yeah. Well, it gets not shorter Well, we than named Joby, him but. J-O-B-E, because if we just named him J-O-B in this day and age, he'd just get called Job his whole life. So. Yeah. So we put an E on the end of it, Joby. Yeah. I mean, Job. And then we just ended up calling him Joby, and it's stuck, and we like it. So yeah. he's what's, Joby. What's Joby's middle name? <laughs> Joby Elliott. He is named after Job and Jim Elliott. There you go. Yeah. I like it. Now, four children, um, they've all been birthed in different locations in the country? <laughs> well, three of them were in Greenville, South Carolina. I see. We just would f- fix that and, and might work it out to get back there to have our babies. Yeah. That's yeah. where my mom my mom lived. My mom and dad lived there, so we would I go see. back to Greenville. And then this last one, Joby, was born in Detroit, mm. since that's where we summer um, in our ministry in the summers in Detroit. So and he's you, the only baby up in Michigan. And you grew up in Greenville. Uh, my family moved around a lot. I see. Growing up, so. And Aaron, you grew up in North Carolina. That's right. Good old Pastor's home, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, he didn't become a pastor till I was. Almost out of the house as I got older, but he was uh, he he worked for um, uh, a ministry called Proteins International and uh, Positive Action for Christ. It was called, and he um, so he was a preacher and he traveled a lot. And uh, but yeah, so I was I grew up in the home of uh, in a ministry home. Yeah. Now both of you, your children, therefore, grew up in a ministry home and traveling. Like mm-hmm. you do this all year. Summertime right. you don't now, but through the year, school year, you do. Right. And that's by choice. You live in a, like a recreational vehicle. Right. Which we don't have on this island, may I add, <laughs> other than right. one that's in ruins over across the street here, an Airstream, may I add. <laughs> right. And um, Stephanie, what's the uniqueness to this? Uh, you know, obviously, the obvious is they don't have like schoolmates per se maybe right. they do you have yeah. other people traveling with you mm-hmm. talk about that well we have some team members who travel with us we have four singles and a married couple um because we are moving around every week obviously they're not in a traditional school setting so i homeschool the kids 
Um, we have a trailer that has a back bedroom so the kids have bunk beds and that's all they've known their whole life. When they were born, they, they got taken to the trailer and they've just grown up there their whole life. And so they don't know any different. I've never really heard them complain like, oh, I wish I could, you know, it's just, they think it's cool that our house has wheels and we just pull it around wherever we want to go. And, and, and um, it's a very, it's a blessing because otherwise if we did have a house, we wouldn't be with Aaron and be able to be a part of what God's called him to do. So I feel like our trailer enables us to be mobile with him and have a part in what, what he's doing. And Aaron, you grew up in a ministry home, your children growing up in a ministry home. What do you want to do for them that maybe you didn't get? Maybe um, you did get and say, I want them to have this too. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, when you grow up, you really don't think that much about it. I think my parents did a great job of helping me to of just land it out um, that this was what God had called them to do. And I, uh, I think they had joy in it. It wasn't like um, my, my dad enjoyed what God called him to do. And, um, and so I want my kids to see me enjoy it. And I want them to see that it's a privilege to, um, no matter what it looks like, it's a privilege to um, to be in the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And all Christians are called to ministry. That's not just people who are vocationally full-time doing it. All Christians are called to, um, to serve the Lord with all their hearts for all their lives. Um, but it's a special privilege to do what we do. And I want my kids to know that. I want them to see it. I want to involve them in it. You know, I want them to have a big picture view of the church and love the church. And so anyway, I, I think it's a great it's a great privilege for us to do this. And I hope that I can always um, keep that in front of my kids that uh, that we're that this that this is really a, a, a real blessing that we get to do this. What do you think are the pressures? You know, and you mentioned about everybody's um, as Christians are in work, which I do believe Second Corinthians says we have this ministry of reconciliation. Everybody's in the ministry, but not everybody has and gets paid for full-time work, is what you're right. talking about. Right. What do you think are the pressures on people that are doing full-time work, maybe on them more so than others that would have a regular day-to-day work providing their funds, but they're Christians, they want to do ministry, reaching others to Christ— but you do this from church to church to church, week after week after week for the school year. What are pressures on those type of people that are doing this full time? Is their work? Um, well, I mean, I think there's, uh, I think there's lots of pressures. Um, you know, just making sure that you keep the main thing, the main thing, as you're living your life. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm so privileged. And it is pressure, and it's hard. Um, I just, I'm just so thankful that we get to do it. I, I sometimes, you know, pinch myself. I, I, I can't believe that we get to do what we do. So, I mean, there's pressures, but I don't know. I just, uh, I think God's been so kind to to let us do it. What do you think are the pressures? Well, I think from a woman's perspective, a wife's perspective, for my children to be a certain way, or that people have expectations because we are the evangelists that we should somehow have like a higher level of perfection or something when it comes to our children. And so I'm always having to remind myself that we're normal, just like everybody else. Our marriage is normal. We're both in process of changing to be more like Christ. And so are our kids just like everybody else's and to not have unrealistic expectations of myself 
and that my kids are, are going to sit in front of people and they're going to make me look bad because, you know, they're not perfect and neither am I. So I think when it comes to parenting in front of people in a ministry setting, it is sometimes challenging not to be fearful um, and be too hard on my kids or be fearful and not be hard enough and knowing the balance of what to do at the right time. Yeah. And so yeah. that's something I'm still working on. <laughs> I'm still working on, but. Yeah, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Uh, certainly the level of expectation that we have for ourselves sometimes is probably unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Certainly people that look to others that are in full-time ministry think, oh, we must have arrived, so their expectations are yeah. certainly high. Yeah. And maybe that was the same case with Paul, who had a group of churches that he helped plant and start and later couldn't meet their expectations. And often was saying, listen, as he said in First Thessalonians 2, I didn't give to you only the gospel. I gave you my own soul. Mm-hmm. And that's really what made the impact on that particular church. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm hearing from both of you, and I think I know you well enough to know that's what you're wanting to do to invest mm-hmm. your life in the life of your children mm-hmm. and your, your team and then ultimately and your preaching as Folks here have had a chance to hear you preach, and you're being candid and transparent about the struggles that you have and challenging others to do the same. You know, last week I had an evangelist on on the broadcast, and for you all, uh, being in evangelism, what do you see to be the needs of churches as you come into churches, uh, uh, generalizing this, that you try and always meet as you go into churches week by week? And I'd like for you to answer that as well. Stephanie, in relationship to ladies that you have a chance to minister to? Um, I think uh, I'm I'm really encouraged with churches that we've been in of late. I feel like we've just been in some great churches who are uh, just doing a great job. Um, You know, I want to to encourage them, though, especially in the area of evangelism specifically. Um, You know, a, a a church who isn't reaching people, um, you know, is, is not a healthy church. I, they can have great, great preaching, and, um, but if they're, if they're inward-focused and they're not looking outside and seeing the people around them that are lost and without Christ, then, then there's a, a lack of spiritual health there. And, um, and I think that a lot of churches are, you know, they're, they're they're wondering, you know, in this day and age, uh, they feel like they've lost the edge sometimes on how to reach people. Um, but I, I really, I really want to challenge uh, people that I'm with and see in churches and pastors. I think are are really in agree in agreement with me that there really has got to be the developing of relationships with people along the way um, for the sake of the gospel, and um, you know, and and, and constantly. Uh, being in tune to the the people who we are surrounded with, so anyway, I don't know what you think. Um, I I think I've been on a journey probably the last five or six years of understanding how the gospel applies to daily life. Um, obviously, the gospel is what saves us from our sin and gives us a relationship with God here and then in eternity. But how does the gospel apply to my mothering, or how does the gospel apply to? Um, relating to somebody in church or with our team members or with Aaron. And I feel like for me personally, I feel like the gospel allows me to admit that I need God, 
as opposed to like having this facade of I'm this ministry wife that's supposed to have it all together and know the right answers and be this eloquent speaker. Um, but, you know, I struggle with everything that everybody else struggles with and the gospel allows me to admit that I'm in need and then to find grace to help me in the time of need. And I feel like when people can get to a point where they can be honest and open about what God's doing in their life, there's this freedom to to be able to grow together and have sweet fellowship with someone that's not inhibited because of our own facade. I don't know yeah. what I'm trying to say. but So that's been sweet to see God when I do find someone that I'm talking with that is real and genuine about what God's doing in their life and the gospel allows them to not put on the show. It's There's a brotherly love that gen- is, right. comes out of that. Yeah. You so. know, I read a statement today that um, – Grace is more than just a word we say and a prayer we say before a meal. It's a way of life. It's the power and desire to do what is right in all areas of life, that's for sure. Well, we are glad that you all partnering with us and helping us in ministry here. And uh, our church is like any other church that has desperate needs and desiring to um, communicate the need for others. You know, as coming up to the radio station, uh, I bumped into a man I've known for a while and uh, not a member of our church, but has come, his family, and and um, I, talking about something related to the church. I said, you know, you've heard me say before that it's not about where you go to church. It's where you go when you die. That's really the bigger question. And reaffirm to him that's what we're trying to do here, to take the scriptures, take the Bible, and help people know what God has to say about that and has answers to that about forgiveness. You know, Aaron, you preach that to the men on Monday and the teens on Tuesday. Why don't you close with a reminder to our listening audience, what in the world is that gospel that does impact our life every day, not just salvation, but every day of our life? What in the world is that? Hmm. Well, the word gospel means the good news. And uh, the good news is only as good as your understanding of the bad news. If I said today that um, I had found a cure for cancer, we would all consider that good news, but um, it would especially be good news if you had cancer. And the thing that makes the, the good news of the gospel so powerful is when people come to the place of understanding a truth that the Bible tells us, and that is that we are sinners And because of our sin, we're totally separated from God, and we will be throughout all of eternity. And so God made man. Man rebelled against God. God is is righteous and just, so he's going to judge man, but he loves man. And because of love, he sent his son into the world. And so that man, through his son Jesus Christ, might be saved. Jesus Christ came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He came to live the life we should have lived, but we haven't. And he came to die the death that we deserve to die. And so when a person turns to Jesus Christ and puts our faith and trust and our confidence in him and in him alone for our salvation, we are forgiven of our sins. And, um, and we are reconciled back into a relationship with our creator. Um, and, and then that, that, that settles our eternity. Um, our, our, our souls are saved from the penalty of our sin because Christ paid it. But then the glorious truth of the gospel is, is that it's, it's more than just a change in your final destination. The truth of the gospel is that there's actually a change that's going to start taking place in your life. 
because the Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, and he's going to start changing us from the inside out. I got saved when I was 21 years old, and um, I grew up in a Christian home. I did this. I went to church. I did that. I, I had a good relationship with my parents, and and I tried to not rock the boat too much. But but as I got into my teen years, and then especially my later teen years, I just was a real rebellion in my heart. And and it's because I thought Christianity was a list of do's and don'ts. You don't do this. You make sure to do this. And while those were all important things, um, it wasn't until I was 21 that I really realized that the problem was that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ. And when I finally came to that point, that Christianity wasn't just a cultural thing, that Christianity wasn't just something that oozed its way into me by osmosis. It was actually a point in my life where where I was where I came to Christ and I I I repented of my sin and I put my faith and trust in him alone. We call it conversion. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. Um blew Nicodemus's mind. He said, What do you mean born again? I go back into my mother and be born a second time. And he said, no, you're born once of water. Every man's born a natural birth. But then there needs to come a point in your life where you're born again into the family of God. And that's the new birth, regeneration, conversion. That happened to me at 21. And God literally got a hold of my life. And he, he did change my final destination. It was settled on that day. Instead of being forever separated from God in judgment and hell, I was going to spend eternity with God in everlasting life. But... He not only changed my final destination, he started changing me. He turned my life right side up. And he started to, 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 to change my desires and my heart. And, 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 and I still struggle. I struggle to this day all the time. And I'm still not you know, all that I'm, I want to be. I'm not all that I'm supposed to be. But um, as the old timer has said, I, I, I praise God because I, I really am not what I used to be. God began changing me. And so the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, it's eternity changing, but it's life changing. And, um, and that's what we preach. That's the Christ we preach. And it's such a joy and such a privilege. Yeah. To the day I die, I want to tell people about the good news of, of Jesus Christ and what he's come to do for us. Well, we appreciate both of you being with us today. Thank you for being here. And um, you might be listening today in a summary note. It takes a moment to become a Christian. It takes a lifetime to become Christ-like. And when you take Christ in your life, he not only changes your destination, but every day your decision-making. And he is Lord over that. And I'm so thankful for it. If you have interest in contacting the Coffees, you can contact them. Their website, I'm thankful for their ministry out of Detroit every summertime, which is for another conversation, another day. We're glad you're with us. Thank you. You can learn more about Aaron and Stephanie Coffee, their ministry team, and their work at coffeeministries.org. Coffee is spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y, C-O-F-F-E-Y, ministries.org. And join us at Harvest Baptist Church for adult Bible fellowships and children's programs, 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning, with our regular worship service, 10.30 a.m. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time.